podcast. We're a pioneer church based in Loughborough in the UK. Our mission is to make disciples to establish heaven on earth. So I'm excited to be here again. My name is Chris. I'm married to Reno uh, and I have a son, Asher. Um, this morning we're going to continue on uh, the book of Mark, Mark chapter 8 specifically. And we're going to look at our identity in Jesus Christ. I hope you get a sense of who you are in Jesus, because we need that in our life every single day. Through all the challenges and the difficulties we face, and the good times, we need to know who we are in Christ. And Mark chapter 8 picks up uh, on uh, Jesus asking his disciples, who do men say I am? But before I do that, I'm going to go back to what Rich Cave spoke about, of, about having a, a word for the year. And um, I hope you've got one now for 2022. Just wanted to give a small testimony of um, my word for the year for 2021 was the battle belongs to the Lord. And, uh, and that's from 1 Samuel 17 verse 47 when David was coming up against Goliath. So, just to give you a testimony, in June, I received a letter from HMRC to say, you need to fill in your self-assessment form. You say what now? You need to fill in your self-assessment form. So I rang the HMRC helpline. I said, uh, why? <laughs> and they said, well, you uh, had earned over a certain... Th- threshold, so you have to fill in your self-assessment form. But I said, well, you know, I've been a PAYE employee all my life, Um, paid all my taxes, but yeah, yeah, no, this is a new government ruling. You've earned over a certain threshold, so you need to fill in your self-assessment form. Okay, so I use my reference, I go online and start filling in the form, which I realized later you have to have a PhD in English literature if you're going to know what on earth this form is all about because the phraseology is all complex and complicated and I don't really understand. Anyway, I start filling it up. The amount it said that I owed the HMRC was 15,000 pounds. 15 thousand pounds. I was like, Lord, <laughs> I cannot believe that this is like a chunk, a good chunk of our saving gone. And I, I was so dejected. But then I realized my word for the year was the battle belongs to the Lord. So I said, Lord, this battle is yours. I don't know how to deal with it. I don't understand it. I need help. Anyway, sooner or later, a friend rang me up and he you know, is self-employed, and he said, look, you know, I do all my finances to an accountant. Why don't I recommend him to you and see what happens? So I thought, oh, that's a piece of wisdom there. So engage with this accountant, and he said, well, you know, to uh, engage with my services, that's 240 pounds. Thank you very much. So then I'm thinking, Lord, that's 15,240 pounds. <laughs> so... I said, okay, I said, Lord, this is your battle. I'm just going to trust you in this. 
So I engaged the accountant, and you know, they did my self-assessment form. For two months, I didn't hear anything. And then finally, one day, he rang me up in November and said, hey, Chris, I, I completed your self-assessment form, and I'm about to send you an email. And I said, well, well how much is it? Well, you know, I'll just read the email. So, so I did. And he said, Chris, you do not owe the uh, HMRC any money at all. I was like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you know, you don't owe HMRC, anything at all. They owe you £1,677.28. I was like, God, seriously, you know, I just, I'm happy with not paying any money, paying 15000 which I thought, but to receive something back. And all that time, I was like, God, you know, this is, this is madness. And I remember the Lord said to me much later, and the money came, by the way, by 31st of December. Son, all I wanted to do when this whole process kicked off was just to bless you. And there you were panicking and worrying, worried. I said, thank you, Jesus. And I said, you know, Lord, I really thank you that this battle was really yours. It wasn't mine. And just to encourage somebody as we go and look into... Uh, 2022 and what it means for you, um, the word for me was, um, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest from Exodus 33:14. So if you don't have uh, a word for 2022, take that one. That's a good one. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So I thank God and I, I was really happy. You know, I, of course, the first thing I do is tithe because it's a kingdom principle. Um, but again, you know, if anybody here who's from HMRC and works, you know, don't just ring them and say, hey, you know, you just want to check Chris's account, make sure that, you know, it's all legit, you know. <laughs> and I was watching online, you know. <laughs> it was all God, trust me, it was all God. To God be the glory. Anyway, looking at Mark, uh, Mark chapter 8. It's very interesting. Every time I pick up a passage from the Bible, I think, I've read that so many times, but every time I find something new. You all ready to find something new in the Bible today? So Mark chapter 8 um, talks about Jesus starting to reveal his identity. So they're walking through the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and um, there, there you go, it's something like that. You know, this picture was taken just as Jesus was about to ask the question. I'm just joking. Um, so Jesus says, who do men say I am? Now, it's a very interesting question. Why does he ask the question? Well, you'll say, well, of course, you see, Chris, well, Jesus is trying to get his disciples to know that he is the Messiah. That's good. Good answer. But there's another reason. There's another reason. So the disciples say, well, you know, Jesus, some say you're John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist by this time was killed. And he's in a you know, Jesus like it's like a reincarnation of John the Baptist. Why? Because John the Baptist spoke with such authority. He had such a following. So they associated Jesus with John the Baptist. The next one, they said, well, you're Elijah. Why Elijah? Elijah was seen as somebody who was very close to God. You saw in Mark chapter 1 that when Jesus was baptized, the heavens opened and there was a voice 
God the Father spoke, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And then some others said, well, you're a prophet. Why prophet? Because all the prophets perform some powerful works of God, miracles, and Jesus was all of that. And then Jesus asked, who do you say I am? It's always, Jesus is a great teacher. He always asks the outer circle, then he asks the inner circle. Anyway, before we get to the answer, I want to come back to the question, why did Jesus ask this question? Why now? Everything with Jesus is to do with timing. His timing is perfect. His timing is impeccable. And as I was preparing this, there's somebody here or listening online. You've prayed. You've asked God. Nothing seems to be happening. But God wanted me to encourage you today. His timing is perfect. His timing is impeccable. He's working in the background. Take that, receive that for you. So, there is one miracle to answer this question. Why did Jesus ask it now? There's one miracle that Jesus performs. Nobody else in the Old Testament performs it. It actually points to Jesus being the Messiah. You can go and read uh, um, throughout the Old Testament. No one... After Jesus, yes, this miracle is performed by a lot of people. But before Jesus, no one. It's almost like this miracle points to Jesus being the Messiah. Anybody has it a guess what this miracle is? doesn't matter if you get it wrong. Come on, audience participation here. Good, but no. Anything else? Good, but no, Elijah did that, but... Yeah, good. Keep coming. There's one miracle. Good, but no. Remember, the second clue is it points to him. So there's a prophecy about Jesus coming that says he will perform this miracle and you know it's the Messiah. Anybody? Wow, who said that? Well done. That is the answer. If you just go to the next uh, slide, Tim. In Isaiah 42, you will find um, God the Father reveals to Isaiah who Jesus is and what he will do. And Isaiah 42 verse 1 is about the servant of the Lord. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, the elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. And he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. And if you drop right down to verse 7, it says what? To open blind eyes. Well, so what, Chris? Big deal, yeah? Well, go to the next slide. If you see what Jesus did just before Mark chapter 8, verse 27, what did he do? He healed the blind man from Bethsaida. This is why he asks the disciples the question. He is trying to make the connection between what he had just done. And this is why Jesus is such a good teacher. And I haven't seen this before until I was starting to prepare for this. He, be, he healed the blind man 
a Bethsaida, and right after that, he asks, who do men say I am? He's trying to point his disciples to Old Testament prophecy. The second reason why he asked this question is about, and well done, Rich, Richard, um, he healed the blind man. This was the one prophecy that really points Jesus to Jesus as the Messiah. And it's really important because he wanted to see if his disciples made the connection. And in many ways, his disciples were spiritually blind as well. They could not see. Here are men who walked with Jesus for nearly a year and a half now, seen all the miracles that he performed. But they didn't even make a stab at answering the question. Yes, we rush straight to Peter's answer, and Peter says, you are the Christ. We applaud Peter for that. But the silence of the 11 is concerning. They didn't say anything. They haven't established who Jesus is, and why did he come, and where were we going with all this? And it's so important to know who Jesus is in your life. Let's go back to the story. So, you know, uh, Peter in that uh, moment um, comes and says, well, you know, um, you are the Christ. And Christ just means in um, Hebrew, the anointed one. In Greek, uh, sorry, say in Greek, it's Greek, sorry. It's Greek, it's the anointed one. Christos means the anointed one. Um, Hebrew, um, the Messiah, the coming one, the chosen one. Um, and so we applaud Peter. Well done, Peter. You've, you've given the right answer. But even Peter only had a glimpse. This same um, incident is recorded in Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus said, Bless you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. So somehow or other, Peter, in that moment, stepped into a supernatural revelation of who Jesus was. But even then, Peter's vision was blurred. He saw a glimpse, because straight after saying, you are the Christ, and Jesus was saying, well, I have to die, and after three days, I'll rise again. Peter took Jesus aside and started rebuking, don't say these things. Imagine, imagine somebody rebuking Jesus now that we have the hindsight to it. Of course, Jesus rebuked Peter saying, get behind me, Satan. And sometimes that almost reflects the dichotomy of human nature. We are righteous about God in one sense, and we're so wrong about Jesus in another. But there's so much grace this morning when Jesus reveals himself to us and he says, I am the Christ. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. And isn't it amazing? Reading this again, you just see how God was so gracious to his disciples. Um, anyway, coming back to Mark chapter 8, it is interesting to see how... Um, the 11 didn't see it. And I reflect on my own life, and I know that I, I came from a Catholic background. Um, 
up to the age of 14, all I knew of Jesus was he was someone who was far off, and Christianity or following Jesus was all about a list of do's and don'ts. And it was so rigid and regimental and just religious. But when I was 14, I lived in Brunei. It was a Muslim country, and they practiced Sharia law. Um, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, churches there are all underground, mostly, especially where um, um, we, we call Pentecostal church is all really underground. I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I didn't have anybody to teach me about the word. The Holy Spirit was the one who revealed who Jesus was to me. And you'll find the same thing with the disciples. They didn't get it. And you can imagine Peter, because as you know, the gospel of Mark is actually Peter dictating to John Mark, as John, sorry, Mark wrote it. You can imagine, and the, the, the gospel of Mark is actually written in sequence, according to the chronological order of the events that happened. And you can imagine Peter thinking, ah, this is why he asked the question. He just healed the blind man, then he asked us the question. So he had a little bit of rest, retrospective um, perspective on the whole thing. So isn't that amazing? I thought that was like, wow, I, I didn't see this before. It's amazing. Anyway, coming back to identity. So Jesus reveals himself as the Messiah. Wonderful. Then he rebukes Peter. And then he goes on to say, if you were to follow me, you have to deny yourself, take up the cross, and come after me. And that also is interesting. I think, God, wow, that's hard. That's hard, Lord. And as I was preparing and I said, um, Lord, what do you want me to say here? And he said this, son, sometimes life didn't go the way you thought it was going to go. We had plans. We had dreams. But things didn't go our way. And to give you a testimony, we, um, when Reno and I got married, we, um, we wanted to have kids. That didn't happen um, straight away. We had difficulty. Um, we had to go through IVF. Um, things didn't go well. And every time we failed IVF, it was going through a bereaving process, and it was hard. Following Jesus sometimes requires endurance because sometimes things don't go the way you think. And what holds you is your knowledge of who Jesus is to you, your identity in him. You see, Jesus was so strong and so powerful and so amazing in all the things that he did. But what grounded him? What grounded him was his knowledge of his relationship with his father. You can see throughout the Gospels, Jesus was trying to show us one thing. I know who I am because of my relationship. And it was a strong bond between him and his father. A strong relationship. So strong, it was not shakable. Even to point to the point of his own death, he was talking to his father. Always talking to his father. 
His father said of him, this is, he didn't just say, this is my son. No, this is my beloved son. Fathers and mothers, if we want our children to be strong and to be secure in who they are, we need to constantly tell them we love them. I have a little thing with Asher. Um, almost every night, I you know, get into bed with him as well. You know, I know I'm not allowed to, but uh, something like, Ugh, you know, Chris, no, you shouldn't be. But anyway, just for a few minutes, like, a, you know, cuddle. He's nine now, but um, I still do it. And, and he says, I say to him, oh, Asher, I've got a secret. I said, oh, Daddy, what secret is it? I love you. I said, Daddy, I know, but isn't it amazing how God the Father was showing us how we should treat our own children? And today, God wants us to know that he loves us so much. So, Jesus knew who he was because of the strong relationship he had with his father. His father said, this is my son. I love him. But all that then amounts to Jesus knowing exactly what he needed, he needed to do in life. He knew what his mission was. He knew where he was going. He knew how he was going to start. And he knew how he was going to finish. I wonder today, do we know where we're going? Do we know what our mission is? Are we distracted with the things of life? Do we need to realign? You see, in Matthew chapter 16, once Peter had said, you are the Christ, Jesus said, great, I can build on you. You are the rock, and the rock is the revelation, Peter, on which I can build my kingdom. And the gates of hell or death we cannot withstand. Jesus is looking to build his kingdom on a group of people, men and women, who have a revelation of who they are in Christ and who hold fast when life doesn't go our way. Hold fast to it because, yeah, it can get rocky. It can get hard. Peter went through so many ups and downs. But on the day of Pentecost, when Jesus knew, that's my boy, he stood up, preached an amazing message, reached back into the book of Joel. Not this same Peter. It was a different, a transformed Peter because now he knew. His eyes was opened. 3,000 people got saved that day because who he knew. Who he knew of what Jesus was in his life. So let's go to the next slide, um, coming towards the end um, here. So my question is to you this morning is, who, who is Jesus to you in your life? What is he to you? What does he mean to you? Is he just a friend you call when you're in trouble? Or are you conversing with him every day, processing things with him? I process things with him. I don't have to... Um, almost religiously get into a, a place and pray, which is great if you guys are doing that. I'm, I'm not saying, but I'm processing things with him constantly, every day. What do you identify with in Jesus? Um, 
I used to identify myself with the place I work. Uh, I used to say, my name is Chris and I work for Rolls-Royce. That used to be my identity. I was so proud of working for them. I wanted people to know, you know, it was a bit of an ego massage as well, you know, Rolls-Royce, you know, um, because of the quality and the excellence that was portrayed. But of course, God, you know, removed me from Rolls-Royce. I can't say that anymore. <laughs> but who do you identify with? Is it your family? Is it your situation? Or is it, I am Christopher. My name means I bear the Christ. I carry the Christ with me. What is your focus? Because when you have Jesus in your life, you have focus. You know where you're going. You know what your mission is. You know where you started. You will know a little bit of, okay, what I need to do. See, life has got lots of distraction. My phone is a big distraction for me. Every weekend when the football is on, I need to know who's winning, who's losing, because I have an FPL team. You know, it's important to me. But even then, God sometimes challenges me and says, well, you know, where am I, Chris? It feels like you pushed me aside. <laughs> you know, what is our focus today? What's distracting you? Look, one of the other things Jesus reveals himself, and I'll finish with this, and I'll pass to Sam in a minute. Jesus often revealed himself as the Son of Man. In fact, in the book of Mark, it is written 14 times, I am the Son of Man. And that sort of also doesn't make a lot of sense to me because, well, Son of Man, well, yeah, he's trying to reveal his humanity. But there's another reason. He is the son of Adam. In many ways, Jesus was trying to say, um, son of man means in Hebrew, bin Adam, son of Adam. There is a prophecy that says, the son or the seed of Eve will crush the head of the serpent. And the serpent will bruise Jesus' heel. And to the Jews, this was so significant because they only read the five books, the books of uh, the Torah. Um, so when Jesus introduced himself as the son of Adam, it points back to Genesis chapter 3 in fulfilling prophecy. So, Let's come to the last slide and I'll pass over to Sam. Jesus knew who he was in, in what he was going to do, where he was, how he's related to the Father. Who are we today? I've put some items up here so that you can reflect on with your own groups of people. Um, you know, think about who you are. My favorite one is the first one I put there, I am the righteousness of God. I can make so many mistakes in life, but Jesus, because of what he did on the cross, promises us is a gift of grace. This is, son, daughter, you are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. You have right standing. There's nothing wrong in what you did. There is no condemnation for what you did. 
I am forgiven. I am beloved of the Father. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Jesus is for me and with me. So if you want to take some time, reflect on what I've said today about your identity in Christ. Reflect on how Jesus saw his identity. Where did he get his strength from? Where did he learn to, to draw from who he was? And I encourage you today in your walk with him.